What an opening. Hey. <laughs> Come on, baby. Let me see them feet. <laughs> this is Corey and this is the other end of the podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. It's literally on mute. I don't know. <laughs> we like that intro so much. We wanted you to hear it twice. <laughs> Uh, welcome to episode 277 of the Other the Podcast, coming to you from the hashtag OTA Studios, high above the 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for listening on your podcatcher of choice. The easiest way to find it is go to anchor.fm forward slash O the Anthem. Uh, I was just watching me fumble there again. <laughs> uh, you can also watch the show on YouTube and live recordings on Facebook. Of course, yeah. Uh, make sure you're following at O the Anthem on Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news and uh, at facebook.com forward slash O the Anthem for the live recordings. You can find all the videos at youtube.com forward slash O the Anthem. And of course, everything, including the merchandise, is available at O the Anthem.com. Yes, indeed. And of course, you have, uh, Corey has that pulled up because if you're here with us on the live chat watching the recordings, <laughs> uh, you can comment and we will follow along with your comments so yeah. make sure you join us there uh anyway so after an auspicious opening there now uh let's jump into uh to other fun things that have happened this weekend yeah. so uh it was a late one we are we're actually starting a little later today than we were planning on and i think that's because of uh, the late night that we had last night yeah caught a 11 p.m screening of once upon a time in hollywood for those who don't know the movie runs about two hours and 40 minutes yes so and we were out at 2 a.m. Yeah, one might yeah. think that uh, that 11 a.m. Uh, showing or 11 p.m. showing would have been empty. It was not. No. It was packed full of people. Very full. Yes. Uh, and of course, we saw it at the uh, Cinerama Dome uh, at Arclight Hollywood, mm-hmm. which is a great place to see it because in the middle, there's cheers that erupt when, in fact, the Cinerama Dome yeah. appears during the movie. Uh, I thought it was going to happen a little earlier. And I thought that they drove past it because I guess that was what was in the. Um, in the trailer was them driving past the Cinerama Dome. Yeah. But instead it was just like lighting up as, as mm. Hollywood comes to life. Right. Uh, the lights came on and uh, one of them was Cinerama Dome. But uh, it's amazing how much Hollywood has changed since the late 60s. Uh, there was parking everywhere. Yeah. Oh, man. What I wouldn't get. I like how they had to uh, remake the Chinese theater yeah. because yeah. Uh, there's not a parking lot there yep. anymore. <laughs> and instead that was uh, done on Spring Street. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, you know. Oh, uh, there's no parking anywhere in Hollywood, uh, and what little there is costs you $30, so don't drive in Hollywood. That's <laughs> At a certain point last night, though, with, with our Uber adventures, like, by the way, Uber XLs, yeah. sometimes too ridiculous to, like, because the, the ride back was originally going to be, like, $56. Damn. And we're like, no, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had a really good time. I, I yeah. enjoyed the dome. It was my first time actually seeing a movie in the dome. Oh, and it's a um, good, it's a good theater. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. You, you, uh, you were aware of what had happened. Uh, we're not going to spoil anything here. Yes. Yeah. But, no spoilers. Uh, you were aware of, uh, the taste mur- murders, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The mis- the, uh, history of the, uh, Manson story. Was anybody else aware? Because I feel like. Uh, we, uh, as uh, people who watch the movies and then tell people about them, have at least the responsibility of telling people that they should probably be a little bit aware of what happens with the Manson-Tate murder. Yeah, so you need to know no history whatsoever walking into this. That's what I will say. Um, uh, so I, I, I think... I, we were with two people who had no idea what had happened. Who were? Rachel and, and Caitlin. And Oh, okay. Yes. About yeah. what had happened that night on Cielo Drive well, and in I real think, life, and then like, and uh, Eric didn't either. Eric uh, also went with us, and he also had no idea. And I think for them, it was just an enjoyable movie, and mm. it was like, wow. So like, is like I have no idea. Like what? What was the? And I'm like, yeah, no, no, don't. Uh, 
don't buy into anything that you just saw there. Basically, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but but I realized at the closing credits that we have been kind of mispronouncing the name of this movie. How so? So how would you say the title of this movie? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, so you have been correctly pronouncing it, but everywhere I've heard it, people have been saying Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. But that's not really what it is. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because the little pause there tells you, just like you were telling a kid uh, a story about princesses or whatever, it's Once Upon a Time and then here is the place that this story is taking place. Yes. So... I think people, I don't know. Sort of like when they were doing the Studio 60 and it's like, uh, live in Hollywood. Like giving you the little like. We are live and here's where we are live. Once upon a time and here's where the story is. That's basically uh, what the math is on that. So, I, you know, having known the entire history myself, I think I did. It did. I don't know if it did a disservice, but I certainly was looking for things that and expecting things that weren't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I I went into it pretty blind, and I, I feel like the more I'm thinking about it, the more I like it. I sort of, like, didn't know exactly what to think when I walked out immediately. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I find that with things I really like. I, I, I The first time I see them, I'm a little, little bit, like, on... I don't know exactly where I stand on it yet, you know? One, th- one thing I do love about you and Jim and other guys I watch that uh, kind of review movies is the ability to follow the narrative and also to take in everything else that you take in about the movie. Yeah. Because usually what I would do is I'll watch it the first time for the narrative. Yeah. Now that I know what's going on in the story, now I can go back and say, oh, well, look, look what they did here and look what they did there. And that's an interesting shot choice. And, and, uh, you know, I might not have done that, but I see what he's trying to do there because this one, especially I was having such a hard time trying to figure out where we were in the narrative Mm -hmm. that I, I walked out of it feeling like that was a visually stunning movie. And I think he did an excellent job, but I can't really say a lot of detail about it just because I was trying to, well, and I was trying to overthink it and be like, where are we getting in this story? I don't understand. No. And, and uh, I'll say this, uh, and uh, if you want to hear more of these thoughts, obviously check out the review. Yes. Uh, yeah. I will be doing that, uh, recording it tomorrow and putting it out tomorrow. So, uh, find that at, uh, the podcatcher of choice or on YouTube if you want. Um, but the, I guess the thing that sort of stuck with me is like, obviously Tarantino at this point in his career sort of has a blank check. Yeah. Like I've come up with a movie. This is how much it's going to cost. Everyone's going to get paid what they're supposed to get paid. Like it's all the best crafts people. Like this is how it works. Yeah. Um, there is a part of me that felt like Tarantino, maybe with too much of a budget and too, too much, everything readily available to him. Mm-hmm. It like, uh, he, sometimes I feel like he needs the creativity of like the, the stress to like the shoestring, the shoestring yeah, to kind of yeah. get the best of his work a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, like last night there was like these great shots of them driving down Hollywood Boulevard in the sixties. And it looks like Hollywood Boulevard in the sixties yeah. and everything's so authentic and like all the marquees are correct to the exact date that they're driving yeah, and everything yeah. like that. And the radio apparently is playing exactly what's supposed to be playing at that moment. But there's like a part of me that like there was like a one crane shot or like, you know, they might have done it with a drone or something like that to get it just right. It seemed a little too steady to be like a drone per okay. se. But it was like when it when they went from Rick Dalton in the pool and they were gunning across to the other property and seeing okay. Sharon Tate yeah. and uh, uh Polanski Jay? come out to oh, do Polanski. the 
go to the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. Remember how it like went over the roofs and stuff like that? Right. Like that's a really great shot that Tarantino can do because he has a hundred million dollar budget on this right. movie. Yeah. But like it's not like if you said like we can't afford that, Quentin, you need to do without. Like he would have figured out another creative way to yes. do that shot without yeah. the super expensive crane shot, I guess. You know, if you're <laughs> But like I, I it's it's nitpicky at best. It's just sort of like uh I want that I want him to have all the resources possible to make the best movie he he thinks he needs to. I just sometimes I like to watch people be put in the position where they got to figure it out a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Uh, I also heard two people walking out of the theater, two people in our group who were saying I thought this was a Quentin Tarantino movie <laughs> because there was uh it was not um Pulp Fiction. It was no. not um Kill Bill. And if you think of those two movies, you probably think of like Pulp Fiction is well, it's bloody in a way, but it's more of just like the disjointed narrative. Mm. And then Kill Bill is just uh, how much killing can we stick into a, <laughs> a you know a ninety minute movie or yeah. whatever, uh, or two ninety minute movies, I guess. This was neither of those, but and that's what I was trying to say. I'm like, it, his whole thing is I do different stuff. I just do what I want to yeah. do. This is the best way to tell this story. That's what I'm gonna do. So I, I think that he did. And uh, like I said, I, a second viewing would probably help me like get into some of the minutia. The minutia, yeah. yeah. But I was. I, maybe and I'm maybe changing my position even as I'm talking now. I think knowing the history did me a disservice because I was trying to figure out where does this fit in the story. See, because uh, you know, and again, I, I'm trying. We're trying to walk this line where we're not yeah. getting into spoilers at all. But like, yeah. I feel like uh, when I explained what really happened at the Tate residence mm-hmm. that night, then the the light bulb started going off with the people who were unaware. Where it was just like, oh, so. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it hits you all of a sudden. Like if you know, like I feel like that's the only thing like I, I don't think you need to know what spaghetti westerns are. No. To no. be able to enjoy the movie, because I think the movie does a good enough job of explaining what they are without you having. And I, I mean, like Inglorious Bastards is like this in a way, too, where it's like it, it, Quentin is hoping that you have just a base understanding of what happened in World War Two yes. for you to understand what this movie is about. And, and you why know is that, it important that one of these guys is Jewish? Do you know that much? Okay, it's going to be fine yeah. then. All did, right. Did, did you know that uh, Hitler didn't die in a theater? Yes. Like, are you right. aware of it? And yeah. Gobbles wasn't there either. Like, yeah. Okay, good. So you can you can come with us on this flight yeah. a little bit. Uh, you know, I I, I just I, I think that one quick brief turn to a to a Shannon Tate uh, Shannon Tate Wikipedia page. Might be all you need before you go to this movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because everything else is pretty well explained to you. And obviously, if you're like a huge cinema nerd, more so on the level of like Quentin Tarantino than like your average cinema nerd, then you're going to get like a lot of the references to the movies in here that are, are, are a lot of fun. Oh. But like it doesn't take away from your enjoyment of it. No. There's like and there's nothing you... about like seeing uh, a movie poster with like Leo on it that is in, uh, funny and uh, entertaining, even if you don't oh, aren't aware of like what it's based off of. Yes. you know, yeah. And, but I would say, uh, knowing some of those movies that he was like that that Rick was doing, yeah. um, it, it was so interesting. I think it's just there's so much, and this is what I love. Again, uh, there was there's a story from, um, damn it, uh, the original Watergate movie. Um, I can't remember who the director was now, but uh, all the president's men, maybe. Yeah, who was that? Who was the director of that? Oh, anyway, not important. Yeah. Uh, where he and they, uh, the uh, set designers had actually just crumpled up paper with like gibberish writing on it, like lorem ipsum, yeah. put it in the trash cans. And he went and dumped them all out and had them type up 
actual bits of stories from the paper on that day, but it was like, oh, we may, we must have made an error here. Okay, crumple that up, put it in the trash. Everything in the trash cans yeah. was accurate. In an age before digital 4K recording where no one would ever know, yeah, yeah. could never see it. But it was like, it's about how it is for me and for the actors on set. And that's kind of how he is. Like, yeah. The same thing where it's just like, what does it matter well, that the I, radio is exactly right? I, I loved that the the acting was so like... I think giving you giving the actor that kind of space to explore yeah. allows them to get into a place that allows you to have performances like you did. And like particularly like I, I think my favorite scene in the whole thing is like when Leo like blows it during the first half of a day <laughs> shooting and he goes to his trailer and he's like yelling at himself. Like yeah. that to me that was like Chef's Kiss Gold. Like yes. that was just the most perfect version of that scene. And I, I'm just uh so happy that we got it. And I think part of the reason why you get that is because Tarantino is just like, everything's exactly the way it's supposed to. You just live in this world. I yeah. want you to just act like you're a person. And like, just, even when we were watching like the scenes from the show that he was shooting, it seen, it went so seamlessly between like, you know, Rick's walking on set to all of a sudden he's in we're it. In like, the, yeah. yeah, there's no like, you know, like sound rolling, camera action, like any of this but stuff. It was just then like, they take those just like right into the to the show. They take those step back moments too, though, where it's like everything's smooth, and you're like, "Oh shit, we're watching a western." Okay, cool. But he's like, "Line." Oh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah can yeah. we reset to one? Yeah, and you just see the camera going back the way know, it was, and it gives you the opportunity to like enjoy it a second time. Like it's so good, <laughs> and it's so good in so many ways. But like I said, that was like my mentality of being like, I need to, uh, I need to see it a second time because I know some of those things, but I don't know that I caught all of them because I was so concerned about like. All right, so where where are we getting back to? Uh, where's this history? Where's yeah. it, where's this in history? Um, I will say my one comment about this is I don't know how many innocent virgin virgins had to die for uh, Brad Pitt to drink their blood and um, continue <laughs> to look the way that he yeah. does. But dear God in heaven, I hope that that was CGI. He's a fifty-something-year-old man. Yeah, That's th almost unfair. He's twenty years older than me, <laughs> and I have never looked as good as yeah. he looks right now. It's ridiculous. Oh man, it hurts my heart how good he looks. <laughs> and and so like there was a moment where he like shrugged his shirt a little bit, and I was like, "There's no way he's gonna take his shirt off." He's like yeah. fifty-three. No, he did, and. Uh, that's the one spoiler I'll give you. It's amazing. Don't go to the bathroom <laughs> during that scene. Uh, as a completely heterosexual male, I will tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And if you've seen Fight Club from 1998, um, maybe you don't need to see the scene because it looks exactly the fucking same as you it know, did 20 years ago. You know what, though? Somebody brought up a point <sighs> that I thought was really interesting. And this will, we'll stop talking about once upon yes. a time in Hollywood yeah. after this. But uh, how... Uh, like in a day before specific weight training and like specific like training so that you could get like that super cut physique. Yeah. Like people in the sixties had sort of more of a, like you're ripped and muscular because you are, uh, like just lifting heavy shit all the time. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like, like, and that was the, thank you. And that was the look that, uh, Brad, Brad Pitt had in that. It's not like he was going to like some specific guy who was making him like do like, twists or something like yeah. that with like weights or anything it's just like all right brad you're just gonna chop wood for two straight weeks well and it's so like, again he had that sort of like full muscular kind of look rather than like the trim trim like, super cut yeah. yeah but it also was like I you mean, don't got the ab v with this oh, with this did. look no but i'm saying like you don't have the same sort of thing like where you're going for that cut right yeah but yeah. it's just more sort of like you're just muscle built on top of a solid frame yeah 
But I mean, and that was a character, right? It was, he probably was chopping wood for a couple of weeks and that's how he, or jumping up on roofs from fucking ground level, like a fucking monkey. But like, yeah, it just, it's a natural physique. And again, it's just one of those things where it looked exactly how you would expect it to look. Yeah. And I think one of the things, again, a compliment to you guys who do reviews is I get lost when I'm watching the narrative. I get lost in it where I'm just like, oh yeah, this is 60s Hollywood. This is a sunset strip in 1969 yeah that's how it's supposed to look uh oh we're passing the viper room oh we're passing where you know <laughs> these are all places i recognize they look kind of the same um musso and franks yeah looks exactly the same now as it did then basically so you know it's all kind of there but anyway uh go watch it yeah it, it's a summer temp another, another thing i uh, just i next time i go to musso and franks i'm gonna yeah. like try and like make friends with whoever's seating me yeah and just yeah. be like tell me about tables like seriously like i'm here at tuesday on two o'clock who else is here nobody else is here yeah like show me the chaplain table show me like show me where people sat i want to i want to i want to sit at a good seat where's the rick dalton table <laughs> where's the rick right? dalton table at the bar asshole <laughs> <laughs> but go see the movie yeah. uh like i said it's a summer temple that is Basically for adults only. I, I was seeing this as I was typing out the description and I was, I said the first adult temple and I was like, well, you know, Jaws was an adult movie, but, but those really were for kids too. Like, yeah. it was so anyone could go, but the imagine a 12 year old sitting through this and they're just like, I am so bored. Like, let, get me out of here. This really is an adults only temple, but it's going to do 150 or 200 million probably yeah. in the first couple weekends. So good for you, Quinn, yeah. uh, nailing it. Continue nailing it. Uh, although, I guess this is it, right? Nine? No, he said, said he, he has ten in him. Ten in him. Okay. Now, so. there's some discussion as to whether or not if he makes, like, a third Kill Bill, if that's really, like, the tenth movie, because they count, like, Kill Bill one and two as, like, one, one movie. Right. Yeah. So, is this a third chapter yeah. in that? Or? And there's sort of, like, discussions of, like, how he wanted to, like, direct Star Trek episodes. So, oh, like, sure. does oh. that count as, like, directing a tenth thing if you're doing Star Trek on TV or something like that? You know what, Quentin? You counted. <laughs> you counted exactly how you want. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, continue to do. Um, I, would li- I would like it if he was just, like, because uh, uh, he probably says film. Like, he's probably, like, the ninth yeah. film of Quentin Tarantino. He gets to the tenth, and then he's just like, all right. So I've hit my ten films, and now I want to move on to movies. The first movie from first Quentin Tarantino. Movie, first movie from Quentin Tarantino, and it's just like he's just starting to make like Weekend at Bernie's, but it's like <laughs> Tarantino's take on Weekend at Bernie's, and it's just like it's just a movie. It's just a fun little movie. It's not a film. It's I was gonna say. So let me see. Uh, Weekend shooting at, in on a red for Christ's sake. Quentin does Weekend at Bernie's. I think turns into the second Jordan Peele movie. Like, isn't that just <laughs> us? Where it's like. The guys are super weird, and you're like cropping around, like uh, dead people walking yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's basically <laughs> it. So, uh, but yeah, um, don't expect. I mean, my only advice is don't expect Kill Bill. Don't expect you know uh, anything. It's, you've it's seen a before. different type of Tarantino yeah. movie for sure. But I would definitely have recommended that you are familiar with Quentin Tarantino before you go in because I, I just you think of mentioning like children and stuff like that. Like yeah. I couldn't imagine. This being the first Tarantino movie I show somebody. No, no. Because I, I feel like they need to have a little bit of like a shorthand with how he directs. Yeah. Before you step into it, you know? I would also say uh, probably good to check out the Wikipedia for Sharon Tate because there are long stretches where he just stays with Sharon. And if you have no idea who she is or what she did, you don't really understand why yeah why this chick is in the movie at all, really. So yeah. it seems to be like an aside in the movie. Uh, but it's not, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So just check that out for whatever Indeed. it's worth. So, uh, anyway, moving on to, uh, other things that you hope are fictional, but are actually real life and happening. Um, the president. Yes. So, 
Uh, I know you wanted to start with uh, the Mueller testimony, which finally happened this week. I mean, we don't have to start there. We can start there. I mean, I think it's it's a fine place to start. It's just I, I am the atypical leftist who uh, you were talking about in the pre-show meeting where, you know, we were expecting more. We wanted more. We didn't get it. Um, he plays his cards close to the vest. Uh, I think he might be kind of afraid that uh, the president may or may not stick him in a camp on the border. So, I mean, maybe he's uh, keeping cards close to the vest for that reason. But in any event, uh, not a lot came out from his testimony before Congress. No, I do think, though, that uh, there is something to be said about uh, getting him. Uh, I mean, like, for, as soon as the Mueller investigation started we were we were casually talking about how much we would enjoy when he finally had to testify in front of congress and i think what was so disappointing about this whole thing was that it took so long for us to get to that point Mm -hmm. where he finally is in front of a camera like asking answering questions and even though it wasn't a uh like it wasn't like he was dynamic up there or something like that like he he didn't even have the same sort of like energy that like kavanaugh had at a similar time the anger and crying is that you're talking not even that part just like like when he's answering questions straight like he just didn't seem to want to like get into it at all he wanted to just sort of like be very matter of fact about it and i i think that he he took his responsibility of being up there testifying much like any lawyer from the Justice Department would if they were called up to Congress to testify, which is like, I'm going to be super guarded about how I do this yeah. because I, I could walk into any kind of perjury trap mm. at any moment. Uh, and any lawyer should. Bob Barr definitely <laughs> live by that rule. <laughs> well, but I mean, yeah, other sure. than the head of the Justice yeah. Department, I guess every other lawyer in the history of the department. But yeah, it's a kind of thing where I think, a lot of us have been just been sitting and hoping that something will break open, that this is going to become something. It just hasn't been. And, um, you know, he's, uh, it's, it was exactly what I thought it would be, but not what I would hope it would be. I think that's, that's basically the way to say it, that, you know, that that's what he's going to do. It's going to be very much just like yes and no answers and kind of giving as little extra as necessary to get a, satisfied expression from the person answering mm. the question, but not anger the guy who's sitting three seats over on the other side of the aisle, you know? So that's what we have. I um, mean, it, really what it needed to be was, uh, it, it used to be that if you got called before Congress to answer questions, then you were there the very next day yeah. or within a week. However, they wanted to schedule it. You were there as soon as they demanded you be there. And then the questions were whatever we want to ask you. Like, there's no like you can't set a limit. Like, I remember when uh, 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 Mark McGuire was testifying for baseball steroids. Right. And he he had like his lawyer obviously told him, like, don't talk about anything, you know, because there's still a statute of limitations. You say, oh, I took steroids. I'm sorry about it. Then you could still be arrested. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're admitting that to a cop, essentially (laughs) You're like going to Congress and telling them. uh, So don't just say you don't want to talk about the past. And then he goes up there and he says, like, I want to talk about the future and not the past of this issue. And then one of the members of oversight was just like, this is an oversight committee. We're here to investigate the past. That's how this works. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Ron doesn't get to come in here and say, like, well, this we don't want to talk about everything that led up to this moment. Like, no, that's not the point of this. That's why we're here. Yeah. And I mean, really, we got Pelosi later on on the rundown here, but I'll just sort of like sneak this in here. Yeah, the, jump in there. the continued cowardice of Pelosi and the Democratic leadership to not like. All I think about is like 
if you were if somebody wrote on uh facebook right like uh rob's a real asshole and he's always fucking everything up or something like that Mm, right yeah, yeah And I keep hearing this like every single week. It's a new comment about like how Rob's a real jerk and how Rob does this and stuff like that. And if I think it's out off base, I'm going to be like, hey, I think this is really fucked up that you're doing this and putting it in a public square. Like, I don't I, <laughs> like I, I don't agree with your assessment. I, you're welcome to have it. But like, you know, I, I got to defend him a yeah, little let's bit. Let's wind here. that back a little yeah. bit, huh? Uh, and you know, like Pelosi and all them is just like, oh, let's not get, let's not offend anybody. Let's do everything we can. Like eventually you have to just be like, this is fucked up. You're stepping over the line. Like, I'm going to be serious about this. I'm not going to give you any more like, oh, we'll get back to you in six to eight weeks. No, fuck this. Come in on Monday. Bill Bill Barr on Monday is going to face impeachment (laughs) inquiries because he lied to Congress. Like we're not dealing with this anymore. Yeah. And and I mean, that's the thing. Like the one thing that did come out of the Mueller testimony was, uh, you know, he said what he said. And there was also a little bit of you could read between the lines about if this was a different type of inquiry, maybe I would have a different kind of testimony, you know, but that's been the kind of the Mueller line entirely. Just. You know, this is not an impeachment proceeding, yeah. so I'm not going to testify about crimes that I know about. We're you're asking me for oversight on an investigation I did. I'm outlining what that investigation. I mean, is. I would have liked. Uh, he seemed to enjoy more of the hypothetical questions, yeah. yeah. Than he did direct questions. Yes. Yeah. So I would also wanted to ask him, uh, you know, maybe some line of questioning in that regard. Like if he, if he, if, if somebody came up there and said, uh, so a lot of where you are able to draw your lines is based off of department of justice guidelines. And like, you can't charge a sitting president and like you can't, you couldn't really even foresee a moment where you could go beyond that for any extenuating circumstance. But there seems to be a lot in this report that is sort of messaging to Congress and to the Senate that we should be opening investigations. If you were a congressman, if you were me, if you were in my spot, would you be looking into impeachment articles against the president Based off of the results of this report. Yeah. Like that type of That's question. That's nice hypothetical. Yeah. And he, he would have to sit, you know, like if he if he was just like, well, I can't even put myself in the mind of whether or not. Like, oh, come you on. Know, <laughs> yeah. Like you could you could try and like prod him a little bit. But like yeah. nobody even bothered to like make a. There was like one time where uh, Ted Lieu, who is our congressman, actually. Oh, uh, well, hey. Did the. Uh, oh, God, what was the exact question there? Um. He like asked like if it wasn't for these guidelines, would you have charged the president? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mueller was just like yes, and then retracted the statement later in saying that like, you know, like well, what I really meant was I couldn't even think about doing the charges because of because that. Of so right. yeah, uh, I would have gone. When down I that said line. yes, I didn't mean like I would definitely have charged him if that wasn't there. It's just like we couldn't even think about it because it was there. It would have opened like, up <laughs> that line of inquiry, which right. I could not even go down because of the rules. That right, 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 right. So. <laughs> so like, you know, like moments just where you get him to sort of like go off a little bit more because so much of it seemed to be wanting to be about like us asking about a direct moment from the report, having you say yes. And that way we could use video of that. Yeah. As like an easily digestible thing for some voter to see and be like, oh, maybe this Trump guy isn't on the level. Like, <laughs> like I, and I, this is the problem, really, I think, is that uh, no matter where it, it, it's all ideology at this point. If you're if you're for Trump at all, then you're going to willingly go down any road of, well, the Democrats and uh, few or whatever the stupid company like the quest or the uh, God damn it. 
the talking points of the Republicans all the time about like some uh, consulting firm or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. So apparently the the Steele dossier was created by oh a Democratic like, yeah. yeah yeah like yeah. and like all this all these things that the Republicans are going off about like if you're listening to any Republican friends or family right now they're talking about like you know like Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and yeah. like you know the FBI was in to get him even before he became president and blah 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 and they were investigating him before he even won and what kind mm. of shit is this and like <laughs> like there's no like. You know, it, it, it really is he could kill somebody on Fifth Avenue and like yeah. nobody would none of his people would care. Like they would be like, well, that guy was asking for it. Like he, he has a right to defend himself. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. I mean, technically, he lives in New York. So isn't that just sort of like an extension of castle law? <laughs> yeah. I now, I mean, it's so frustrating because that is that's literally the mentality. It's just, you know, we're going to defend uh, the Democrats seem to not want to go on the attack. I, after the Mueller testimony, Jerry Nadler, uh, who is a congressman, apparently like called a meeting of the um, leadership mm-hmm. in Nancy Pelosi's office and was like, "If you're not going to do it, I am." And uh, had to be like talked off the off the ledge. There have been articles that have been filed, but they've been filed by like super junior members. Yeah, uh, I don't think AOC has been one of them, but it would be as if AOC had filed them. And she has almost. See, but AOC has a platform. That's the difference. Okay, the people yes. who've been doing it have also been like, you know, the third congressman in Hawaii. Yeah, and, and <laughs> like somebody on, that nobody knows of, and it's like they're not on committees where they can actually push a bill through. Right. Like Jerry Nadler, if I remember, is on judiciary. Yeah. So it would be like if I file this, it's going to be in my committee next week. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to start pushing for hearings. And, and apparently, there's there's an there's enough votes in judiciary to get an impeachment yes. trial started, even without. Pelosi's like the problem is that everyone wants to like I just I, I mean it, it, my my logic remains the same I don't understand why Trump could be in violation of laws and then that you still want to not push that issue because there might be people who like Trump in your district right yeah like if you're like uh, Jake Lamb who who won uh or with Connor Lamb sorry Connor, Connor Lamb, yeah uh who won in Pennsylvania in like that really close uh runoff where Trump had won by like 15 points or something. Mm-hmm. So like there's an idea that like, you know, like, oh, if he takes too many shots at Trump, then he's not going to get reelected. And it's just like fucking do it. Like, what are you? Yeah. What are you waiting for? Like, also, if you think it's wrong, like that's that's the thing that always bugs me. If you think it's wrong, just do it. Like, I don't care if it's a member of your own party. I don't care if it's your brother. Like if 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 I thought that Brendan killed somebody. And was like now on the loose, like yeah. if he was Manson or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but see, that's like, why you uh, you're a horrible person. Uh, <laughs> we had this discussion before. You don't turn in your parents. You don't turn in your family. You you take at a, one. At a line, stitches though. get <laughs> stitches. That's I'm how say, this works. I'm saying if it's like Brad Pitt on the boat, I'm not worried so much about it. Like I don't know exactly <laughs> what happened. I can't talk about it. I, just, I don't spread rumors. Yeah, I don't talk. I don't talk about it. We don't I don't, know. Yeah, but you know, if I know for sure he's a part of the Manson family, then yeah, I feel if you like walk I have in a and there's a bloody knife, yeah, I mean, and he's like, like <laughs> "Hold on to this for me." Yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Now, now I gotta talk. You, you've taken it out of my hands as to whether or not I'm going to <laughs> but, talk no, about so this. Jerry Nadler uh, starts his discussion. Apparently, there are the votes to get impeachment out of judiciary and onto the floor, and then there's enough Democratic votes there that we'd have to have a trial, and. Nancy Pelosi basically talked him off the cliff and then the story just got out that, you know, everyone is pushing for this and she's trying to keep everybody kind of grouped together to say, no, let's not do this. And why? 
I, uh, you you get you sent that uh, onion uh, article that was just like uh, <laughs> Pelosi worried the left wing of the party going to show them to be um, completely inefficient at doing anything. Yeah, ineffectual cowards. Ineffectual cowards, yeah. and that's what they are, uh, unfortunately. So, well, not only that, like this is something that I stated when uh, Pelosi was going up for leadership again. And I said, don't do it Yeah, because we're going to get into a moment like this where Pelosi has to be the voice, either talking people off the ledge or going gung ho into it. Yeah. She just does not have the cult of personality to be able to command a room like she's just not a good speaker. Yeah. And she does not express her opinions in a good way. And she doesn't think about what she's saying before she says them. Like, these are all things like, you know, like we uh, Adam Schiff. Uh, who I don't think is like the greatest congressman ever or anything like that, though. He at least, you know, like I heard him in an interview talking about like why he isn't for impeachment at this exact moment. Yeah. yeah. And he made some very clear, salient points. Like uh, just because we start impeachment proceedings doesn't mean that automatically everyone has to like bow to our every wish. Like we still have things going through the court system and we'd like to have them go through, you know, resolve themselves through court before we go to other measures. Sure. And if we start impeachment inquiries while this is still going on, then it might impact our ability to get information from the courts. Like this is, you know, we're, we're, we, if, if we need to do it, we're going to do it, but I don't want to do it before we have to. And that's my point. And like, to, to me, that makes a perfect sense as far as like an argument for why you wouldn't do it. Sure. I don't agree, but I'm saying like, I think at least he's, he's making a point as to like, you know, Pelosi's like grabbing at whatever she can fucking pull on. And she's just like, well, you don't understand exactly. You know, I have to be, the, the leader for all the people in my party. Mm-hmm. And if not, everyone is to, is involved in this together. And it's just like, she's rattling off like whatever she can fucking say. Like that doesn't fill you with confidence. Like she knows what she's doing No, And uh, again, they're more worried about getting reelected than they are about governance. Yeah. And not that the Republicans aren't, because they are also more worried about getting elected than they are about governance. And that's why nothing gets done. It's just how, what can we do to stay as close to the middle as possible so that we can win votes from both sides so we can get reelected and be back here fleecing uh, the taxpayers? So. Yeah. I, I think that we need to stop uh, identifying people as Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. Just let them run. And by the way, a third party would help here. A fourth party or a fifth party would really help. I'm just saying that there was four candidates and you didn't know what party they belonged to and you just had to judge from what they said. Yeah. And uh, you would you would immediately throw out a lot of clown cars immediately. Like if you just didn't know that Roy Moore was the Republican, you just knew he was the guy who was touching children. Yeah, you're like, oh, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm probably not, not going to vote, vote for, that, for guy. that guy. Yeah, sorry. You know, like it, it would just make things. You know, if, if you go on CNN, they can't say like you know the Republican senator from Tennessee or whatever. Like you you have to just like you have you just have to be the person, and that's yep. where your votes coming from. And you know, like wherever you're you know, Senator from Kentucky, like whatever it is, like that's all that we can identify you with. Yeah. But like, wait, wait. Uh, so you just basically hate everyone and, uh, <laughs> you're licking the boots of the president. It's not really something I want to want my congressman or my senator to do. So we'll bring you out. Yeah. It just so happens you're a Republican, Mitch McConnell. So, See, if I, but if I'm a Republican and I hear he's a Republican, then I'm more inclined like, Oh, he's sticking up for what I believe. In. Right. Yeah. But like, no, it doesn't mean anything. Like there's a all. lot of there's a lot of Democrats who are secretly Republicans and you just don't know. And they have a D next to their name and you think you're supposed to support them. Nancy Pelosi. And <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what to I don't know what to tell you. And then like, we're here and democracy's broken. The Republic's dead. And <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, another sign that the demo- that democracy is broken. The Republic is dead. When the president um, looks at a major city, one of the top 10 populous cities still top 20, top 20 populous yeah, cities in the there. country and says that it is a 
rat and vermin infested hole. Yeah. A mess. No, rat and vermin infested mess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, a 20 minute trip from the nation's capital where he resides most of the time. Um, for half the year. Yeah. For, for part of it, at least. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, it's one of those things where I see, I saw it come up on Twitter and I'm like, oh, this has got to be one of those fake Trump accounts. that's like posting stuff. And then reporters start to react to it. And you're like, okay, maybe this is actually, maybe it's real. Maybe it's real. But then why would he say that? What's the context that they go get him out of this? And the context doesn't really seem to make sense. And you're just like, I don't understand. What's, uh, I mean, listen, we all know it's a rat and vermin infested mess, but you know, well, uh, we don't say it. That's the whole thing. It's, you don't say it. Don't say it out loud. You said, you said the quiet part out loud and you, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that always, I mean, like, you know, there, I, I went through a different, a couple different, uh, uh, waves of this, uh-huh. especially yeah. for, for it being Baltimore. Like it, it sticks with me in a different way. Yeah. Um, I think number one, there was the initial reaction of nobody picks on my little brother, but me kind of thing. Like Fair enough. Yep. Baltimore is really much that kind of town, like where we can talk about it. Yes. We can talk about how we'll talk shitty about and rat invested it is. Yes. But the fucking second somebody else does, some New Yorker comes down and tries telling us what's what. Yeah. Like, no, no, that's not happening, bro. Uh, also, so that yes, was like you live in D.C. <laughs> now. Have you been anywhere else other than the National Mall in D.C.? I'm just saying. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but the more I'm thinking, I mean, like, he didn't say anything that wasn't true. I mean, he mm. did. I mean, like, the, the, the contents of his tweet were in fact, you know, like to a to a degree real. There is rat infestation. Yeah. There is dirt and you know, poverty and everything like that that's happening in West Baltimore. Yeah. Um and the people who have been in charge of fixing it, both at the city, the state, and the federal level, have all failed at their jobs to yeah. be able to do so. But then it's there's also a part of like uh like if I was if all the time I'm talking about how great my life is and then every every once in a while I'm just like yeah, my bank account's real fucked up though because other people messed it up. Mm. So it's like, well, aren't you responsible for your spending a little bit? Like, yeah. Aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I have only seventeen dollars in my checking account. D- did you go out last night and spend a thousand dollars at the bar? Like, should maybe part of that is your responsibility? It's like, no, no, no. This one part of the dirty America that I inherited is not my fault. Like, yes. Yeah. And it's not my it's not my responsibility to fix it either. It's just, I was gonna say the other part like of the, the, <laughs> the other part of that comment is that we can talk shit about Baltimore. We also are not in the position to fix any of it. You're the <laughs> like, president yeah. of the United States. Yeah. Maybe instead of tweeting about it, you're like, you know what? Uh, remember like, when they asked us to investigate the shooting of a cop, probably by another cop? Maybe we should have sent somebody down there to take a look. Or, I don't know. Or right after Trump was inaugurated and Catherine Pugh went hat in hand with the letter to the president. Or is like uh, talking about all the things that he could do to help invest in Baltimore and fix it. And he was just like, uh, no, no. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, you know, you've had that letter for two years now. You couldn't have done anything. <laughs> She's not even the mayor anymore. That's how long it's been. I tried to reach out to her. She said she was sick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So maybe that would be a good excuse. Uh, yeah, I tried calling her office. She was like never there. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. She, uh, seems like she's been sick for quite a while now. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> guess so. But yeah, it's listen. Uh, first part of it is don't talk shit about our town. Yeah. But in reality, like my major part of the reaction is just like, again, Jack Young, Catherine Pugh talk about how bad the city is. Hey, fix something. You're actually <laughs> in the position to do something. Don't look at the rest of us like, whoa, what am I supposed to do? Like, right. You're the one in charge. Go do it. <laughs> Trump, also you. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, know, like, 
I he's know not like he's not directly responsible for Baltimore, but like he certainly could like at any point decide to like do something that could help us. You yeah, know, I'll, like listen, uh, you know. <laughs> It, it's well known. Uh, Corey and I used to live together. We always use it. And if I notice a problem happening in Corey's part of the apartment, I can't just be like, "Well, you know, Corey's a, he's uh, that's a whole that's a whole separate issue." Yeah. I even if I just talk to you about yeah. it, it's about like me investing and like, yeah, I'm not technically. It falls in the purview of what I may be able to impact. Hey, Corey, your room directly. smells a little bit. Do yeah, you maybe think? Maybe want to check me check that out a little bit. Or oh yeah, I'll handle it. Oh good, you're handling it. Okay, I, great. I don't have to- and then two weeks later, it smells again, and you're just like... Maybe, listen, <laughs> you want to just take a look and just see what it is? But for me to just be like, uh, okay, so I'm going to totally ignore Corey, and I'm going to look over here at all our friends and be like, hey, so Corey's got a real pigsty going on over there, and it really stinks, and there's nothing we any of us can do about it. Like, yeah, couldn't you talk to him? Like, you're right there. It's kind of part it of It was your, ineffective leadership on Corey's part. <laughs> to, get to make it all so stinky in there. Yeah, well, yeah, but you, couldn't you... You live here too, right? Uh, no, no, not not part of the thing I'm in charge of. I'm uh, just gonna randomly <laughs> just say shit about him when he's. It's a little too. Uh, it's a little too local. Uh, it's really focused. <laughs> I think about big picture things like the living room. That's what I really think about. That's what I try to be in charge. Building of. Building a wall between Corey's part and my part. That's really my goal. I think. Uh, I, I I will say this. Um, uh, something that was brought to my attention with this tweet. Uh. He does seem to use the word infested a lot, yeah. specifically when he's talking about things that relate to black and brown people. Like, he, does, yeah. he doesn't ever seem to use that word other than when he's talking about Mexico or Baltimore or Chicago or any other place where the majority of the people he's discussing are not white. Funny, so, Funny uh, how that works. It's yeah. an interesting uh, little bit of psyche into his brain, if mm-hmm. you will, you know? Well, and uh, since we're already talking about it, uh, it might be a good opportunity to take a stroll on down to the Baltimore corner. Where you get the straight dope. Right. So uh, a couple of big stories coming out of Baltimore I wanted to make sure we uh, touched on. Uh, The small one first. Um, In news that's a surprise to no one, police (laughs) are not honoring the uh, consent decree that they entered. No. Yeah. So uh, basically the the last check-in with the court... Uh, I'm gonna a- I'm gonna smoke an acid-filled cigarette and ask if this is real. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically, I think uh, Harrison, uh, Commissioner Harrison's uh, plan is going to try and bring them back into compliance. Which you know, kudos to him for attempting. But <laughs> go where many people have gone before, but yeah. you have succeeded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in the end, uh, basically, the court was just like, listen, uh, I, I, we outlined like 15 things and the city agreed to them and you're not doing any of them. So uh seems kind of worrisome to us. Yeah. And um, and Baltimore's like, yeah, yeah, uh, we'd be worried, too. So anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy how that happens. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just it's like it's news and you want to say something about it, but it's just like, yeah, they're well, not like, honoring <laughs> the consent decree. I mean, it, go, it goes much to got as much as I hate saying this going towards Trump's point. I mean, like, yeah, you know, there, there's only so much you can do when like you run the city and you don't seem to have any handle on the police department that works for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they're just like a rogue gang that just is marching the streets, doing whatever the fuck they want. And it's just like we try to tell them not to do that, but they keep committing crimes. Like, we've, what am I uh, listen, we've uh, we've how many this- times do we have to talk to them? 
Yeah, we've got the uh, the reds over there and the blacks over there and the blues. The blues, though, they really run the streets. And uh, we've just kind of ceded control to them and let them. Uh, we actually pay them now uh, a lot, in fact. Overtime, uh, in fact. A lot of overtime. Uh, it's weird. Uh, five highest paid people in the city. They work for the uh, for the blue gang. And um, we just don't know how to bring them back into control. That's really what it, what it comes down to. Um and that's basically how the city works now. It's, it's they do what they want. Jack Young walks in with the hat in hand into the FOP office, and he's just like, "Can you guys please just calm your shit down for a little while?" Shut up, Jack. <laughs> All right, I'll leave. Like, listen, the OT is uh, kind of a problem. Jack, listen, this conversation just pushed me into OT. You're making it worse. You're not making it better. Let us handle it. Listen, do you want 400 murders? Because no OT gets you 400 murders. I don't know if you uh, are prepared to live with that on your <laughs> Wait, record. Is that because the cops are actually like leaving work and going and murdering people? Is that how we get up to 400? Or like I don't understand. They I they mean, get maybe. done with their eight hour day and they start murdering people. Yeah, I mean they, uh, that could be. Uh, listen, I'm not in the office. I don't know what to do with myself. I just uh, lose control. Uh, this gun's going off one way or another. Either I'm wearing the badge and doing the job, or I'm not. Okay? Either I'm shooting somebody or planting it on somebody. There's no in between. Oh, tragedy. And, of course, that brings us to the other big news out of Baltimore. Uh, we've talked about for the past couple of weeks the Keith Davis Jr. trial. Yes. Um, which uh, led to closing arguments. Uh, and I was incorrect about this. They were on Thursday. Yeah. They went to the jury at lunch on Thursday. And the jury, after a two-week trial, maybe a three-week trial, depending on how like the days broke down, there was a lot of argument. Well, like motions argument. So it's also like the jury's not actually hearing anything today. We're just doing motions. Yeah. Uh, but let's say a three week trial. Um, they deliberated for one whole day, half a day in the afternoon, half a day in the morning and reached a verdict, which, by the way, typically bodes well for the defendant. Yeah. Because that means that uh, the state has um, not met their burden and they're generally just in there like, all right, so uh when you get a guilty finding, generally it's because there's some negotiation going on in the jury room. Like, hey, I, I think he's not guilty on all parts. All right, well, I think he's guilty on all parts. All right, so where can we find a balance? Where might he be guilty? Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> if we can agree that on four out of six charges he is guilty, great. I will drop the two that I don't think he's guilty on. Or I'll, maybe I'll drop one. And you agree that he might be guilty on one. And so long as we're getting some you know, heavier charges and some lighter charges all mixed in. Uh, we're good. But that takes a time. That takes a, lo a long time for us yeah. to get to that point. Uh, so when they come back quickly, oftentimes it's uh, it's good for the defendant. Unless, of course, you know, one of the um, pieces of evidence is, I don't know, a bloody sock that has your blood on it and the victims and it's found at your residence by the police. Um, then it, of course, leads to a not guilty verdict if you're OJ and yeah. a, uh, a guilty for everybody else except for OJ. Uh, but uh, much to the chagrin of everyone, uh, Keith Davis Jr. found guilty um, in the murder trial on evidence that was sparse at best. Yes. And um, and ch changing all the time. Like, yeah. So for the first three murder trials, because, again, this is the fourth. Fourth murder trial. Fifth trial altogether. Fourth murder trial. For the first three trials, there was uh, apparently a video uh, from a security camera near Pimlico, but it didn't yeah. show anything. Yeah. And the, the... Well, they said it didn't show anything. Yeah, the, I mean, there was no yeah. actual video to be seen, but the yeah. police said there wasn't anything on there. Nothing yeah. to worry Not about. Not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and then that video turns up, and there is actually things on there, and now we have police lying in the first three trials to 
keep uh, the obvious Brady violation of keeping evidence away from well, the defense. Luckily, though, that uh, Brady violation will be able to be mentioned in the fourth trial. No, because nothing oh. that was mentioned in any of the previous trials is allowed to be mentioned in this trial. Right. So, yeah. like, the, and, and this is really the problem. And, uh, you know, like, I, I, I understand that it's not great advice for Keith Davis in hindsight that he should try and get a higher paid lawyer than he did because he doesn't really have the option to after four trials. Right. Nor despite the fact that he doesn't seem to make enough money uh, that he would have been able to afford a lawyer capable of handling this type of thing beforehand. Well, no, but, in, in I mean, a, like more more often than not, when I hear about people like going away for murder on a trial or on like a case where. Uh, it seemed like open and shut they didn't do it or there was some some sort of foul play involved mm-hmm. that kept them from being like beyond a reasonable doubt guilty. It usually seems to fall apart when you get a lawyer who is not worth being in the courtroom defending you on such a charge. Well, I mean, like, I, I think that that's not fair, though, because the 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 public defender's office was on with him and he had some excellent representation. They put on exactly the case that you would put on in this. They showed the video of the guy who is clearly not him. Yeah. And the jury still convicted him. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously there's some bad breaks here, too. But I'm saying, like, it seems like, I mean, like, and here's the problem. Like, we've been watch- listening to uh, Undisclosed. Yeah. Uh, their latest season, breaking down all the issues with the Keith Davis Jr. trial, is a must-listen to. Yeah. Uh, it's incredibly uh, in-depth and uh, talks about all the things that you really need to know involving this case. But the problem is that like the uh, public defender's office is never going to wrestle the cops as much as you need them to in a case like this See, like, but your assumption is that a private attorney would have have razzled them better but that's not that's an assumption too i mean if you get uh billy I mean, billy murphy billy i mean murphy, billy maybe. murphy makes a a career of wrestling cops right. so if you had somebody like billy murphy representing you then he would be more inclined to go into that courtroom and talk about all the things that the police department did wrong that could help get you to the reasonable doubt. True. But then you have to deal with the fact that you have Billy Murphy involved in the case. Yeah. And that leads to a whole other side of things. And you also have to pay him a million dollars for him to show up on day one. Yeah. And you don't have that when you're most criminal defendants. So, yes, there there is a balance to be struck between what, what is able to be paid and what do you really want out of this? Do we want a media circus? Um, do I want Billy Murphy saying that like um, they shot him because he was black, which is not the truth. They right. shot him because the Baltimore police shoot a lot of people and they planted a gun on him because that's not because he do. was not because he was black, because that's what they do yeah. when they shoot someone and they realize they're going to get caught. They plant a gun on them. Um, and the public defender's office mentioned all these things. This video is clearly not him. This gun was last seen, last logged at a gun shop that is frequented by police officers and then all of a sudden appears on a crime scene where they shot somebody. So, yeah, it, it, with a Confederate flag in the window and yeah. uh, a guy who likes to make jokes about like shooting black people on his Facebook and stuff like that. At some point, you just have to say, I'm going to send it to these 12 people and I'm going to trust that the system works and the system does not work. Yeah. More importantly, Marilyn Mosby... Um, is using this to get back in good with the cops. And if Ivan Bates had won, I bet you Keith Davis is free and Adnan Syed is free and who knows how many people are free. And if Thiru hadn't been trying to get a little bit of press and win and now he's running for fucking mayor, yeah. um, if he hadn't been a press hound, 
Adnan would be free and, you know, Ivan probably would have won for uh, state's attorney. So that means that so would Keith Davis Jr. And, and all of these things are a waterfall because of personalities. And and maybe, you know, could there have been a little better representation if it wasn't the public defender's office? Well, they could have had uh, private investigators and other things that you get from private attorneys. But those all cost money. Yeah. And let's say he ponied up the million dollars to get Billy. Everything that comes also has a cost. So that private yeah. investigator has a cost. And and all of these things have a oh, cost. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, th- this is not me saying that, you know, he should have figured out some sort of way to put him in, himself in debt for life just to get Billy Murphy to yeah. represent him. I'm just saying that, like, there, there's a, there seems to be an aspect a lot of times in these cases where I'm seeing somebody can't get the lawyer that they should be able to get. Like, uh, when we watched the... Uh, uh, you know, making a murder when that was like the big thing when it first came out and stuff like that. Right. There were lots of talk about like the things that his lawyers did right and the things his lawyers did wrong and the things the other case, the other side didn't do right and stuff like that. Like all, all of these uh, decisions of who to get, like uh, the initial lawyer that he had, that uh, uh, Avery had. Yeah. Or uh, I'm sorry, it was the Dassey. Dassey. Dassey's, Dassey's lawyer yeah. was like laughably bad compared to Stephen Avery's lawyer, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's like if he, if Stephen Avery uh, had uh, at the lawyer, the team that uh, was with him was with Dassey as well. Dassey might be off right now. Could be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some, it, hate, I hate to see when somebody gets like a really, for lack of a better term, cheap lawyer and they can't hang with the a murder case, you know, like it's, it's not See, but, something that every, uh, uh, that's the problem, you know, like, you know, if you needed to have heart surgery, you want to go to a heart surgeon. You don't want yeah. to go to just any doctor who happens to know what the heart surgery looks like, you know, like, right. But using that same example, but yeah, let's say you have a heart condition and you blame the patient's death because they got knockoff uh, medicine instead of the regular, like the, the, the best medicine they could possibly mm. get. And you don't look and say, well, why is the medical system set up this way so that they can't get access? Yeah. Why were they, why did their, their disease get to this point in the first place? And, yeah. and that's where I go to like, why is Keith Davis in jail? Why did any of this happen? Why would they allowed to charge the entire burglary case lose on everything except for this one charge that makes no sense. Why did the judge not throw out that conviction when it didn't when it didn't seem to make sense with any of the other charges that were dismissed? Yeah. And why were they then allowed to charge him with a murder that was inherently connected to the previous case? Well, because the system is fucking broken and yeah. they're allowed to do all of these things. So could all anything during this trial have been different? Sure. Could things in previous trials have been different? Sure. Why did we even get here? Well, I why mean, is the system built this way? There, there, there's things involved in the system that absolutely did not help Keith Davis Jr. at all. And I would say first and foremost is that you know the judges, especially in Baltimore City, seem more tied with like the company line yeah. than almost any other judicial system that I'm aware of. Like. The, the, the amount of times that if a, a motion is put out by the state, it is almost uniformly agreed to like, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, we need this in our case. All right. Like, we'll keep this in as evidence because yeah. the state has asked for it. Like, there's like no chance that you have of like fighting this uphill fight if it's a close call. You yeah. know, the judiciary is not separate. 
the the judges are not separate from the state's attorney. The state's attorney is not separate from the police. And all of these, they are all separate, by the way, from the public defender's office. Yeah. And the public defender's office gets a certain amount of money every year. The others get no budget. They just get to spend whatever they want to spend in order to do what they need to do. Yeah. So in the end, as long as that's the case, we're going to continue to have this system. Until you cut off the police and move them out and then cut off the state's attorney's office and move them out or have the state's attorney's office work with the judiciary and create a new office like the prosecutor's office. Yeah, but see, this this is still part of my point where the, you know, like it, it, in the case of, you know, Keith Davis having to get like a public defender yeah. at points because he's gotten into his fourth trial now, uh, you know, the, the public defender's office can't go as hard against the police as a... Another law, an independent lawyer necessarily could. Right. Because the public defender's office has to work with the police on cases, too. Much like the state's attorney have to work with the police. Like, there's there's a part of, if you're a, a public defender for the Baltimore uh, court system, then at some point you're going to have to talk to a cop and be like, listen, we, we know this is bullshit. Can we talk to the state's attorney? Can we? But that's because the state's attorney and the cops are on the same side. If yeah. we have an independent prosecutor's office that will be there with an independent public defender's office, mm. then why don't, why don't, first of all, why isn't every cop in, or why isn't every uh, lawyer in Baltimore not turning their sights and going with both barrels at the Baltimore Police Department? Because they should be. But Marilyn Mosby benefits from this. So, of course, the state's attorney's office is not. They're all wrapped up in the judiciary, and they're all wrapped up with the cops, which leaves everyone except the citizenry on the out. Because, yeah. you know, if uh, if Marilyn Mosby gets pulled over for a DUI now, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think the chances that they uh, let her call her husband to come pick her up? Oh, 100%. Right. Yeah. Now, if she had uh, dropped the case uh, and had gone on TV talking about uh, – misconduct by the police department and how this is yet another case uh, like mm-hmm. Freddie Gray. Yeah. And then uh, on the way home from celebrating, she gets pulled over and they clock her and uh, she's got a, you know, two, two D uh, two, two blood alcohol. What's the uh, likelihood she ends up in cuffs? 100%. Right. Yeah. So as long as these are the sides and like, just like Congress, just like everything else, we're picking two sides. We're saying you're on one side or the other. Well, that does, shouldn't be that way. The state's attorney's office needs to be independent from the judiciary, independent from the police, so that they can turn their focus on the police. They can turn their focus on defendants. Mm-hmm. But we need to look for justice and not just for, again, they're judged by conviction rate, which yeah. is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> we are literally just pushing to get convictions instead of pushing for justice. Yeah. Set these two departments and say, your budgets are whatever you need them to be. And when the public defender's office says, oh, well, I need a private investigator for this, great. It'll be reviewed by this independent board. And when the state's attorney's office says, well, uh, you know, I need a public, I need a private investigator for this, the same fucking independent board reviews that and says, yeah. no, you don't. You don't. But the public defender's office can get approvals that they don't. It just It needs more independence. And to Marilyn Mosby and Thiru, Thiru and uh, all of these uh, FOP fucking commander, yeah. I know that it seems like it will never be in your lifetime, but someday in the middle of the night, someone is going to come into your home and they are going to take you out and into the street and they're going to judge you for all of these decisions. And I hope in that brief moment before the metal drops to your neck, you think about times just like this. And I wonder if it's going to be worth it. And of course I'm talking about guillotines because really (laughs) this is the solution as always see i'm I'm at the point now where i don't think marilyn mosby would even be able to think about what she possibly did wrong to get into this situation 
she would have been like, I did everything right. I, 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 I fought for the people. Oh, well, listen, the crazy. Like, she would never she sure. would never be able to understand what she did wrong. Deluded people will always yeah. be deluded. That's, that's yeah. how it works. Well, speaking of deluded people, let's touch on this last topic very quickly. And that's, of course, uh, immigration and customs enforcement, uh, more colloquially known as ICE. <laughs> this week in ICE. Uh, this week in crazy shit that ICE does. Um, well, crazy <laughs> shit that Americans do. Speaking of standing up and defending people. One of my favorite stories of the week was that group of people who surrounded a minivan and locked arms while ICE was basically waiting out the family in the minivan and then moved from the van to the house, keeping ICE from arresting them. And why the fuck aren't we doing that everywhere? More importantly, I mean, like, there was more you guys could have done. I mean, I, I feel like if you know it's happening, that's part of the... sure. I but, mean, like, you know, you see an ice van. You have van, to be in the right place at the right time to be able to do something and know, like, what. You see an ice van, you, you know, put a knife through a tire. Is that really such a bad thing? I mean, uh, apparently. I mean, we you, didn't tell you to do it, but I mean, like, not, if yeah. it if it just happens that way, then. Uh, if you spit water at a police officer. Okay, yeah, don't do that, because apparently <laughs> Bill de Blasio, uh, not happy about that whole situation. Or you will get arrested. Or that. you could be that guy who got arrested or was put into detention for three weeks despite having a passport and a birth certificate. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that's the the other story. So, like, the great story is uh, Americans stand up and say, we're sick of this shit. And when ICE comes to arrest someone, they form a human chain and they say, you have no authority to touch us. So you are not coming through us. And then they wait for ICE to back off and then walk the family into their house. Now, yeah. this is a temporary solution because now the family's in the house, yes, but... Ice is still going to sit outside. So yeah. what are you going to do? Uh, the other side of terrible stories for the week, uh, for three weeks, an American citizen born here, social security card, birth certificate, definitely a citizen, has been, has been, had been in detention for ICE because uh, he's Hispanic, basically. Wrong place, wrong time, in the car with some people who were not documented, um, and thus his documents must be a forgery. Mm-hmm. So... To everyone, uh, including some friends of the show who I continue, you know, who continue to say, oh, that could never happen to me. Don't worry about it. It can. It can, in fact, happen to you. Being a citizen means nothing. Um, and he's in Texas, right? It was in Texas, I think. Yeah, I think so. so. He had a real ID. Yeah. So not only did he have a driver's license or an ID that was real ID, meaning it, he had to prove he was a citizen to get it. They then showed the birth certificate and the social security card to ICE, who refused to release him. And they kept him in holding for three weeks. So, I mean, you and I are lucky because we could not be more Caucasian if we tried. Like, <laughs> there is going to be no confusion that we are from Northern Europe. And even if we were here illegally, it's not like they're looking for us. Trump has clearly I mean, said. If ICE, if ICE came up to me, I would just be like, hello, officers. How are you today? Yeah. Like, uh, but I mean, oh, this guy's not a concern. <laughs> Trump said he wants people from Norway yeah, and yeah, Sweden yeah. and Europe to come. So we're okay I even why. if we were here illegally. Yeah. But uh, for everyone else, uh, it's scary that being a citizen means nothing. Because even if you prove your citizenship, this is the power that ICE has. Once you are detained, no law applies to you. You could file a habeas petition, but you, did you know that you, you can't have somebody file it on your behalf? Yeah. You have to file it. So You have pl- to go to the courthouse. In a place <laughs> where they give you no paper and no pens, you must write up a habeas petition and then you must convince them to take you to a courthouse because it has to be filed in proper person. None of which you can do. Yeah. So at what point does the law just not make sense? Um, well, yeah. and I, you know, we're, we're uh, the next story here is about Guatemala. Yeah. 
And I, I, I just generally speaking, I, I think my my line here on immigration has sort of been the same. I think there needs to be laws, but generally speaking, I feel like we should do as we would hope that others would do to us. If we were fleeing the United States because of like all the crime infestation in West Baltimore, right? Wait, let, <laughs> let's let's make a hypothetical. Yeah. Let's say that some fanatical, uh, you know, fascist leader was to take over our country, and then mm-hmm. maybe there were free and fair elections, but uh, he lost and he refused to give up power. Yeah. Uh, and then crack down because you know forty percent of the country are utter not nut jobs and brought out their guns to defend it. Um, and then they just started grouping everybody who didn't think like them. Pelosi into, huddled in the corner going like, what do I do? Yeah. Uh, so, so the there leftist, doesn't seem to be any recourse for this kind of action. Leftist leaders in disarray. Uh, they're, they're moving people who they don't like into, you know, camps uh, where they can concentrate them. Um, let's just say that that were to happen. Uh, completely hypothetical and not a prediction of what may happen in a year and a half. Yeah. Um, if that were to happen, then all of a sudden people like me may find it necessary. Well, not in California. We would just fucking secede and close the borders, but yeah. uh, everywhere else uh, I may find the need to move towards the Mexican border and be like, or the Canadian border and like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Now, what if I appear at that border uh, and they say, well, we only let in 2000 Americans per year and sorry, chap, you're 2003. So maybe next year. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, Guess what, guys? Uh, I'm going to sneak across the fucking border because yeah. I don't want to be put in a camp here, um, which isn't true. I would just start bombing shit and they'd have to kill me. But none of, <laughs> none, let's just, again, hypothetical. Uh, I sneak try to sneak across the border. The, the whole point is that when you're seeking asylum, you the immigration restrictions don't apply. Yeah. It's, you must, well, I mean, you like, take in as many uh, as you can. Just generally speaking, like, I, I can't, I can't see a world where, to me, the right thing to do is to just throw people out who are trying to like, you know, like just like if somebody showed up at a hospital. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, Oh my God, I was just shot and I walked into the hospital and it's just like, we don't take your insurance, bro. I'm going to need you to, (laughs) you don't seem to have any insurance. We can't, we can't do anything for you here. I'm just like, no, no, but please, I was shot. You have to like a hospital has to take you in. Yep. Even if you can't prove insurance, even if you can't prove that you can pay for it because you're in a, a immediate medical emergency. Like you need, you need help. And wait, like, irony of ironies, the medical system less broken than the immigration system. <laughs> know, Who would have right? thought? All right. But I mean, like it, w- with this, this in particular, you're, you're just like, you know, like somebody shows up here, you know, trying to avoid gang warfare and whatever part of the world that they're from that we cause that we cause. And then, uh, like, you know, no, you have to go back to Guatemala and get your paperwork right first before you can come here. Like, yeah. by the way, I, I didn't want to mention this to uh, the person who suggested for the show, but. Let's let's build a hypothetical that you are from Guatemala. Yes. You make your way here, probably what three or four thousand miles. You present yourself as you should, ask for asylum, and you're told go back. Yeah. So now what you must do is go three or four thousand miles back to Guatemala. Yeah. You must ask the people who have been trying to kill you for permission to to leave to leave. And I don't want to be killed anymore. Can you please let me go? And. Get permission from them to request asylum status somewhere else. Now, we did this. Uh, to, to which you're, you go back to the United States and they decide whether or not they're going to allow it. And then they send you back. So yeah. let's say that, uh, the irony of irony is they actually let you go the first time and then you get sent back from the U.S. when they're like, no, no, we don't want you. Then they're just like, oh, well, killing you is really all we got left. Sorry. Uh, 
into this gas chamber. We tried. Know. Yeah, you know, it just it's it's. But the idea that you would send them home and say, "Go ask the people trying to kill you for permission to ask us to come yeah. here," I I cannot fathom it. And it, we we've done it before. I mean, there have been rules where it's like, "Ah, oh, well, you listen, the uh, the government there is still good with us, so what we really need for you to do is to to ask." permission to come and um i mean the, it hasn't the, worked the, out the, the the thing i've i've always my line has always been if you're not hurting anybody if you're not interfering with somebody else's personal liberty i don't much care what you do yeah like you know if, if you want to you know paint your ha- entire house purple and there's like a violation of neighborhood code as to whether or not you're allowed to paint your house an unoff brand white color or something like just let that person fucking live. Like, yeah. it, it's not it's not that big of a deal. We don't have to make, like, a huge thing out of this. But, like, you know, if somebody's, like, you know, going 3,000 miles to try and get to some place to try and feel safe for a change, like, I, I get that you need to have laws to keep people from doing this, like, all the time. But also, it's our fault. Yeah. <laughs> and, How like, about this? Uh, and they've, they've done the, the work. You know, it's just, like... You know, if you if I found out that you flew home to go to the DMV and you got there at, you know, 501 and the door closes at five. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. Like, can't you just give me the the one just act like I got here at 449, please? It's like, nope, can't do anything about it. Like, no, but I flew here. Like, yeah, my plane was late. Eh. I was abducted by terrorists. Like yeah. <laughs> there was I did everything. I was supposed to land here at two. Like. Well, I mean, listen, like, what it comes down to is I, I actually do support this policy. I think that we should enact this law immediately. However, it should be effective 2050. Also, sister law to this, limitations on DOD. We may no longer, we must give up bases and we may no longer have military exercises or military actions in any country of the world other than the United States of America. Mm. So by 2050, when this new asylum law becomes effective, we have now had 30 years of not being involved in any conflict, in any country, in any part of the world. And then I would say, you know, uh, I think we killed two birds. Actually, we probably killed See, one the, bird with two stones. But either way, you the know. The problem is Northrop Grumman wouldn't allow it. Oh, well, and I mean, Santa yeah. Is there okay. Okay. Well, how as, about this? Just as important to this whole uh, making an America run thing as like, you know, Congress or the Senate. Like third law. Third law. <laughs> Every year we'll have a day and it's called Dead Bird Day. And what we do is we just. We is put, this like dog food day? It's a little bit like that. We take every aircraft carrier out just off the coast where we need some new coral reefs. Yeah. And we just push billion dollar fighters off the edge into the water. Mm-hmm. All of them. Every one of them. Because then we have to buy new billion dollar fighters. Gotcha. So Northrop Grumman still gets their money. Yeah. But we're not actually bombing brown people with those planes. So we have them. We don't use them. We destroy oh. them. New coral reefs, though. And then we buy more of them. So now Northrop Grumman's happy. And no asylum needed because we're not, again, bombing the brown people. By the way, super quick thing. Uh, did you see the Supreme Court decision, by the way? Which one? In regards to Trump's uh, using... Uh, National defense funds for the border wall. Uh, I, no, I didn't. I straight party line. Uh, he's allowed to do it. He's allowed. Uh, the president is allowed to divert money in times of what is seen as a national emergency. So prepare yourself, Republicans, when you're <laughs> really upset 
in uh, a year and a half when mm-hmm. President Warren gets sworn in or something like that. Oh, dear like God. <laughs> and she decides to make a national emergency and have to divert uh, defense contractor budgets to... Uh, Fight poverty. Or, uh, you know, climate change or something climate like change. that. Uh, the drug epidemic. Uh, any number of the the emergencies that we have going on. Yeah, the that, real, uh, <laughs> real emergency. Which uh, I'm sure Elizabeth Warren wouldn't mind finding a couple billion dollars to divert away from... Yeah, military budget too. Just to point out, again, thirty percent of our budget is spent on the military. I like how people don't think about like the how they're going to be outraged by this in the future. This will never go. They're happy. They're happy that Trump gets it now, and then all of a sudden, it's just like uh, President Warren decided that she's going to call a national emergency on climate change and divert thirty percent of the U.S. military budget to it. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We didn't agree to this. Also, uh, oh, well, Trump wanted a stupid fucking border wall. People are dumb and they don't know how long construction <laughs> takes. So I want to take that. Here is here you are. Uh, close up on TV screen. Uh, we have a talking head. He's telling. Go ahead and give us give us your quote right here. Wait, wait. Oh, let me switch on the on the border wall. Or? Yeah, I'm going to give you the just give us a quick. Uh, here's on you. Give me a quick border wall story here. Am I am I like a congressman or no, what no, you're uh, pre- uh, the reporter? President Warren today. Oh, is that me? Oh, yeah. professional! All right, here you go, President Warren. You're you're doing your whole uh, your whole shtick. President Warren is uh, using the funds for uh, oh for, uh, for national emergency. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Warren today decided that she was going to call an edge national emergency and divert thirty percent of Defense Department funds towards fighting climate change. Uh, this is authorized by the. This is authorized by the Supreme Court decision that allowed Trump to build his border wall. All right, now we cut two because people are dumb, and he only has about a year, year and a half left. Yeah. Um, four feet of steel that runs twelve miles. Uh, that people are literally just while we're on the video, you see someone run across the desert, <laughs> jump over, and then keep running. Oh, sorry, I should do it where people run across the desert, jump over, keep running. Um. Because he's doing this to get a border wall. If he gets voted out next year, they're not going to get any work done on it. Yeah. And now you've set a precedent that the Democrat who eventually gets elected is just going to be like, all right, so we got a couple of emergencies I'd like to talk to you guys about in the Defense Department. Uh, climate change, definitely number one on the list. Uh, we got a drug, pro- drug problem, number two. Healthcare, I think this serves the, I, you know what? Uh, I think nationalized healthcare would really help this uh, drug epidemic. So it's an emergency. It's an emer- this drug epidemic is an emergency. <laughs> I am diverting funds to create a nationalized healthcare system, Medicare for all. <laughs> what I love Thank too you. is the number of Republicans who will be like, you know, like Obama was treating this country like he's a fucking king, like thinking he can do whatever he wants through executive action. Yep, here comes Trump, <laughs> and it's like Trump gets his border wall, and it's just like congratulations. Well, I mean, person. like he had to do what he had to do. <laughs> Congratulations, Your Majesty. I'm I'm happy to serve the king. Anything for the crown, I'll tell you that. Uh, anyway, so uh, the Republic's dead. I don't know how many times I have to say that. But uh, by the way, guillotines. It's a cause of and solution to all of life problems. Well, if problems. you uh, if you want to know where you can find uh, all of your guillotine-related content, <laughs> where's that? You can go to ohtheanthem.com, Corey to the anthem.com, oh, the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. By the way, this is how you got on any list that you weren't on before. That, <laughs> yeah. comment, that comment just put you on those yeah. lists. Yeah. Uh, you can find more of me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, or at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, we'll have a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie review coming out tomorrow on YouTube, on podcast, everywhere. Uh, anchor.fm forward slash Corey Baker is a place where Corey Baker Film is where you can find that. 
And uh, yeah, looking forward to doing that one. I will split it too, so that it'll be like first half no spoilers, second half spoilers. So yeah. anybody who hasn't seen it but wants to hear like a little bit more talk about what the movie's like can listen to the first half and save the rest for after your two hour, 40 minute extravaganza. And every episode is like that, just for clarity. I, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate it because even when you see movies that I haven't yet, I can at least listen to the first half or a little more and I mean, usually, you clearly say hey spoilers are coming now and give you a chance to, like bail out yeah so. usually usually i don't like talking spoilers at all but sometimes a movie sort of deserves like part of the conversation is going to be the conversation you have after you've seen the movie like there's no way for me to talk about avengers without eventually talking oh, yeah. about spoilers so, oh yeah like, fight club here here's a movie i don't <laughs> care about spoiling uh you cannot talk about the movie fight club without wrapping up at the last uh few minutes of review and being like hey crazy turns out not even there right like oh my god <laughs> if you haven't seen fight club yet like screw you all right yeah whatever <laughs> Anyway, oh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I got all involved thinking about Fight Club and those abs. Uh, you can find more of me at Robert and Cheek on all your social networks. Make sure you yes, check out... Yes, queen. <laughs> Make sure you check out robertandcheek.com where you can find more uh, links to my political blog with news website and the books which are available on Amazon. Barrow's books. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, I get the uh, another book coming soon. Uh, I have done a little bit of editing on, but not a lot. And uh, still no, still no paperbacks out for those things. Hey, we're gonna, I'm gonna get to that eventually. You still, it's, it's you still happen. need to, you need to resend me all the things I need to read too. By the way, because you, I think you did that right before I got on set. No, 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 no. Lost, that was like, just a, a list of. Oh yeah, so uh, open projects. Uh, the list of my open projects now is at 27, which wow. is wow. Uh, things that have treatments but no scripts, scripts that are written but need to be redone, and scripts that were written to an idea but. I don't like them and I'm going yeah. to rewrite them from the beginning. Uh, so no, it wasn't anything. I was just sending you like, isn't it crazy? Well, no, there, all this there, shit that there I had, there were a couple of things that you had sent me going like, Hey, can you read over this and like, give me a, a thought on it. But oh, I just yeah. didn't like, most I, of, yeah, I, I think it happened like literally like right before yeah. I went on set and then like everything was lost. Like, okay, we'll go back. <laughs> yeah. and look. Uh, the biggest thing is, uh, if you check out any of the new books, all those covers, are made by Corey yeah, and with his artistic skill. Uh, and I realized this week that the paperback version of uh, one of the books is done just waiting on a cover. Okay. Uh, I think mm, it's not faux. Now, maybe faux, faux, I think, is what we Ruben? were talking about last. Because we can't use that cover because that cover is actually owned by the person who did the cover mm, for the first edition. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we need a new cover for faux. So if you are as hot as Brad Pitt uh, and would like to be on the cover <laughs> of a book, let me know. Rob's got a real thing for Brad Pitt right now. I don't know. It's uh, you know, now I'm starting to get why uh, all these college girls are into older guys. Because uh, 53 old man has got me feeling some kind of way. I'll tell you that. Anyway, yeah. So. Well, I think we've done good here today. <laughs> we've done something. I don't know if it's good, but as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Now, just to give everyone a taste of what they want, some old man abs. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's 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 a good stuff. All right. And uh, now we're get yourself a piece. Now we're officially blocked by Facebook. (laughs)